So Gilbert Gottfried died. And I don't know, I know I'm about a week late on this. When we finally hear it, it'll be even longer than a week. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sad about this one. This is one of the few celebrity deaths where I go, shit, it can all end just like that, you know? He was a top 20 comic of mine. If I, if I had a top 20, I have a top 10. I have my sacred 10 that I, I worship in comedy. I'm not going to go through that or anything, but all I'm saying is that if I had a, a top 20 comics, Gilbert would be in the 20. I mean, just a, just a dirty genius, just a maniacal, just a diabolical creep on stage. One of the most disrespectful, disgusting pieces of filth to ever step in front of a microphone. I mean, this guy would... I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say to this. There's just been so many comedians who have died recently. Heroes of mine. Norm was a hero of mine. I remember watching me doing stand-up and going, I want to do that. I, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to be that funny, but I want to do that. Like, that is almost savant Rain Man level skill. And he would just stand in front of a mic with a fucking leather jacket on and just talk to people about death, about, uh, about murder, about missing women on the new. Like, just, he, he just had a whole act that was some of the darkest, most irreverent that you'd ever hear. And I, I remember he died back in September, and I, I just couldn't believe it. And then Saget died. And I, I wasn't as much of a fan of Saget, but I still respected his work. I love the way he could alternate between that lovable, full-house TV dad. He's tucking Mary-Kate and Ashley into bed. Good night, Michelle. And then he immediately can go onto a stage and start talking about fucking your ear, right? And he would, he would, he would do that. That was his entire career. Um, so I remember when he died, I was like, oh shit, man. And then Louis Anderson died, who I wasn't as, I knew who he was, but I wasn't as into him, but it was still bad. And now fucking Gilbert, dude. And I don't know, man, just so, when I heard, obviously I'm not close to the guy or fuck, I've never even met the guy. I've never met any of these people. Uh, so I don't know them personally, but when he died, that was one of the most devastating celebrity deaths that that's one of the ones like kind of like Robin Williams was kind of like Mac Miller was to me, which is not comedy, but it, it was one of the ones that just hit. It stung. There's some that just hit you, and you just can't stop thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about how this person influenced you. I mean, one of one of the most disgusting pieces of filth to ever set. This is how gangster Gilbert Gottfried was. Gilbert Gottfried would be talking about not just cancer and missing children and rape and murder and just the worst. He, he, would, he would venture into the darkest crevices of the mind and just take things that, and this is, a, I think, theoretically, what comedy is at the core. It is taking things that you're sensitive about that no one's ever supposed to talk about and putting them in front of you and going, here, this is it. I'm talking about this. You take it seriously on the outside, but right now, I'm going to make you laugh at it. I'm going to make you look at this in a way you never thought you were going to look at it before. And he would do that. 
This is how much of a gangster this guy was. It was a week out from 9-11. This is the most legendary story. Never mind, never mind the tsunami Aflac thing where he got fired from Aflac and he couldn't do the duck voice anymore. It was a week after 9-11. It was at the Hugh Hefner Rose. It was in New York City. People were just numb. They were in a stupor. They didn't know what to think. Every Just the confusion and the chaos that had taken place within that time. Nobody knew where their head was. People's family members had fucking died. People had, had seen the, t- two, the, the Twin Towers collapse in front of them. Many people just saw it. It wasn't on TV. It was a real thing. And Gilbert gets up. I think he was the last roaster. And he says something to the effect of, and people have heard this story. I don't know why I'm the one telling it, but I, I just, it's my way of kind of processing the death of somebody I admire. He got up and said, I have to be quick. I have a, and I'm paraphrasing, I have to catch a flight to California. Um, but it'll, it'll, there will be a layover at the Empire State Building. Or something like that. Oh, I, I just flew in from L.A. Uh, I was late because there was a layover at the Empire State Building. I, I'm butchering it. But either way, he was talking about they just crashing into the Empire State Building. And this is a story that's not talked about enough. He, thousands of people had died. There were still people missing, people whose family members were gone. And he just got up there and said, fuck you. This is a joke to me in this very moment. Right? And... It, it, it it's legendary. It's legendary. There were people booing. There were people hissing. No one knew what to think. But in that moment, people were given kind of a break. They were able to process something in a different way other than sadness. In that very moment, as offensive as it was, you were reacting to something differently than you were the last week. So it does have a purpose. And then he goes into, the, of course, the legendary aristocrats joke, and he saved his set, basically, from there. People were yelling too soon. They were booing him. They were whatever. Everybody was so offended. And he just goes right into this aristocrats joke, which is one of, arguably the dirtiest joke ever told. And I'm not going to start doing that. I'm not going to do his voice, either. Everybody's got their own fucking voice that they do. I used to do Gilbert's voice quite well. I used to um, I used to joke around with him. Me and my friends, this was when YouTube had first come out, we would watch old stand-up clips of him. And we would just sit around and fucking howl at them because when you're a kid, you all you want is to just hear the dirty jokes. Everybody had a hundred of them that you would just tell at lunch or in class whispering in the corner. But he was just the master at it. He had a million of them and he would just fire them off. He had no papers and no nothing. He would just go up there and it was just all in his head. And then his old Howard Stern clips, which I would I would watch religiously. He was arguably the best guest on the Howard Stern show in the history of that show. I remember watching those all the time, and he had a million stories, and he had a million characters, and the impressions that he would do. It, fuck, man. And I remember I last week, I think the morning after Gilbert was announced dead, like on the Wednesday, I listened to Howard talking about it. And... I think they had had a falling out on the show years years ago. And I don't think Howard had talked to Gilbert since, but to just hear the words coming out of his mouth, Gilbert Gottfried is dead. I remember it was like a surreal moment. It was I di- I didn't know how to deal with that in that second. You know, just all of these memories of everything that you enjoyed just kind of go through your mind. 
So it's terrible. R.I.P. I wish I could pour one out, but I got my green tea and I have to save it. Uh, one of the all-time, one of the all-time great, I mean, his Seinfeld impression was one of the funniest things that I, I watched him do. There's, there's a story, this is an older story, and I think he told this on Howard Stern, but Gilbert and Seinfeld came up around the same time at the comic strip in New York. Uh, they were both young guys, maybe in their late 20s, and they were doing stand-up together. And they did, they weren't exactly friendly. So Gilbert <laughs> gets up on stage, and mind you, no one knows who Seinfeld was, no one knows who Gilbert was, but Gilbert just says, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And he gets up on stage, Seinfeld is about to follow him. He gets up on stage and just starts doing Seinfeld. Why do they call it dog walking? Why? Why do they do it? Why? What's the deal? What's the deal with coffee pots? Why don't they make a coffee bucket? Like just whatever weird, random Seinfeldian type material he could just pull out of his ass. And he did that his entire act. He just he just scrapped his material and just did Seinfeld to silence. No one knew who said he was an unknown. He was just fucking with him. He's like the first comedy troll. And of course, Gilbert gets off, Seinfeld comes on, and just bombs. Tanks. Everybody's so confused. Because he's the guy who sounds exactly like the guy who was just doing the voice. And like that, that is just a legendary move. I would be pissed if somebody did that to me, but because it didn't happen to me, I, I quite frankly kind of enjoy it. So again, R.I.P. I bet Seinfeld doesn't know what to think right now. Fuck it. If Seinfeld's still angry at that, given all his success, I I don't know. Maybe he should be in jail for dating a 17-year-old. I don't know what to talk about. I'm not going to be too long with this. Of course, I always say that, and then I end up rambling for 45 minutes. i got to talk about something that's just, it's been under my skin the last few days. So the podcast, the last episode, 68, this is 69, by the way. I, uh, I was going to go and like, dedicate a whole podcast and have maybe even some guests talking about all like our embarrassing sexual escapades for this one, but it's kind of a no-go. I don't know. I, I it, it's too much of a slog getting those microphones together. It's it's really when it, it matters, and I I have some special guests on that I I really break out the microphone. But anyways, last week I put the podcast up and I released a couple clips, and one of them I did, which is a special impression that I have become I'm becoming known for in the comedy scene. Uh, it gets mixed mixed reaction. It's a very good impression and it's a very good bit but sometimes because this figure is so polarizing some people don't know what to make of it if i do it in front of the wrong crowd i can kind of hear the resentment a little bit but i release a clip of me doing this impression on the podcast and i put it on tiktok and tiktok within six minutes takes it off it says that i'm promoting a hateful person or organization None of which I am doing. I am simply doing an impression of this human being. 
uh, and it's a man by, and I have to be careful with this because I might clip this and put it back out. It is a, I'm just going to be careful with this. So I'm going to switch it. It's a man by the name of Porden Jeterson. Porden Jeterson is a Swedish, see, I'm smart, painter who paints a lot of pictures around the world and he's inspired, he's inspired many people with his paintings. He paints very vivid pictures in people's minds, actually. And he just goes on stage and he talks about he talks about painting your room. He says, in order to get your life together, you need to paint your room. So all these people listen to him in this packed auditorium, and then they go home and start painting their rooms, and then they go online crying and talking about how much his painting has bettered their lives. And I do a very good impression of this man. I I say things I I you you've gotta you've gotta paint your room. You've you've gotta you've gotta find you you've you've gotta find a, a, the proper brush of your choice and start painting the canvas. You you've gotta paint the canvas of your life. You you've gotta ride the tiger into the eye of the eagle. If you ever want a chance at flourishing, you've got you've got to flourish. And he twiddles his fingers. And they took that. They decided that that was so offensive and egregious that it wasn't worthy of being on TikTok. TikTok, the platform that has young children beating the shit out of each other in high school parking lots, that has pimple popping videos. Pimple popping videos; those are more violent than my Port and Jeterson. And it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a clip of me honoring him. I'm simply goofing on the guy with a, a good impression. That's all I'm doing. It's it's not like I'm fucking. It's it's not like I'm I'm coming on with a a lobster tramp stamp, and telling everybody to suck this guy off, even though that would be interesting, and that person shouldn't be silenced either. I'd love to see a guy with a lobster Port and Jeterson tramp stamp or a back tattoo or whatever and just talking about, yeah, we all need to, we all need to worship at his altar. We need to do it. And he's got dreadlocks. He's just a, a wacky human being. I I think that guy would be interesting to hear. You may not agree with what he has to say, but I it it might be entertaining. I'm so sick of all this shit. I'm so sick of just fucking. I mean, at least his motivation, regardless of what you may think of him, I again, and I I I can't believe I have to preface this. I I don't agree with everything the guy says. I certainly don't believe he should be silenced. I don't think that he should be associated with uh, the nazis. The nazis. I don't think he's a nazi. And I think it's actually kind of dangerous when you start throwing the word nazi at anybody you dislike. It's, 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 and I think somebody has made this comparison. It's like the boy who cried nazi one day. A real nazi is going to come around, and the nazi is going to eat you. He's going to pull you into the forest, and he's going to eat you. And you're going to cry nazi, and everyone's just going to be like, I mean, 
we we came we came running to their defense before and it wasn't it wasn't a nazy it was just i don't know a guy with alopecia but still fuck the nazis all right i don't know at least at least porton jeterson's actual like his motivational shit the clips that he puts out online at least they're like helping people and at least it is something it, it it comes from his heart you can tell that this guy is pretty genuine with what he's saying whether it's he's right or not he's very genuine and he seems to be telling the truth to some degree he seems to be a very heartfelt gentleman he's in these clips online crying and in front of his computer he's he's sobbing and he's clearly had mental health issues that he's been open about he seems to be a pretty a pretty open book that's what i'm trying to say Unlike a lot of these other motivational people, you, I, I, I can't buy them. I just don't buy them. There's too many of them. These motivational people, they're all fucking frauds. They're all the same. You see them on TikTok. They're cl- it's always a black and white clip of a guy on a podcast. You have like the Titanic theme playing in the background. They like the... It had nothing to do with the sinking ship. They just think that, hey, that's th- this is profound. This is, comp- this is a compelling soundtrack for, for my for my NFT story. But it's always the same clip. It's always, they, they just start talking, they go into the sad story of, I used to live under my neighbor's house. Not in the basement. I literally lived underneath the house. You know how when people tell murderers you should be buried under the prison? I was buried under this bungalow. I would be under there all night until my neighbors went to work and I would sneak up into their kitchen through the window and I would steal canned goods and then I would go back all the way down into the abyss. And of course, I forgot to get a can opener and I was too afraid to go back up, too risky. So I just had to bash the can over my head until the strained peaches fell out and into my mouth. I was on a steady diet of beans and, and, and strained peaches. I, every now and then I would treat myself to some cream corn. And I, I, I lost about 50 pounds. And I would live like this for over two years. Until one day, and then they just make this jump into how they became successful. And you, you're trying to put the pieces together. You're going like, how does this add up? And they, would, they, they just go from, I was underneath the house. And then I discovered, I discovered crypto. I'm like, how did you have a phone? I discovered, it doesn't matter. I discovered cryptocurrency. And that's how I became a billionaire. That is how I started having seafood every weekend with Elon Musk. Sometimes Tim Cook comes over and he twerks for us. Which I shouldn't have said because that's always been our little secret. And it's just it's just this wild story and you don't believe it. It's just this fucking... It's just all very trite. It's always the same guy. And I like I like guys like Gary Vee. I like hearing their stories. I like hearing Mark Cuban's story. I like just hearing... I like hearing 40, 50-year-old guys who own basketball teams tell me about, hey, all you need to do is press a couple buttons on Instagram for all your dreams to come true. You you've gotta go on you've gotta go on TikTok and get out your favorite Billie Eilish track and you you've gotta dance to it. 
You've got to dance. You've got to dance. You've got to put the devil's horns on your head. In order to beat the devil, you need to embody the devil. That's that's the secret. Set a torch on fire and start licking the torch. Doesn't matter if you burn your tongue. If you're truly resilient, your tongue will heal. Your tongue will heal. Time won't. You can get back your tongue. You can't buy back time. Once you invest in crypto, you can buy yourself a new tongue. Whatever. Speaking of billionaire, Elon Musk is getting closer and closer by the day, it looks, to buying up Twitter. He says he wants to uh, make it uh, an open platform for free speech. Clearly, there are some issues with social media and censorship, and it is biased towards censorship by and large, it seems. And he wants to open it up. In his words, he wants to make it a safe space for free speech or whatever the hell. And I, I can't even have the free speech debate anymore. Everybody just seems to have, obviously, I'm a free speech guy. And I think the best way to confront bad ideas is when they are out in the open. But um, yeah, I don't know. Twitter's a weird place. And Elon Musk looks like he has the largest shares of it. I know nothing about stocks. I'm just kind of winging this. But he looks like, I think it would be hilarious if, if when Elon Musk buys Twitter, that he just boots every other person off of it except for him. And he just it, it just becomes an Elon Musk-only platform. And he just starts saying the most egregious shit ever. It, it all, he, he just starts saying, like, he, it's all just, it's all like Elon Musk innuendos. They're, they all have to do with space. Like, uh, men are from Mars. W- women are from Venus. Women, women are from Venus. And then he just slowly starts letting his friends onto Twitter, where it's just his group of guys, just his just his his crew. At one point, it's just him and Joe Rogan on there, just just they're tweeting each other back and forth, just trolling everybody. I went over to Joe Rogan's backyard, and we ended up cooking elk over a George Foreman grill, and we ended up serving each other strawberries while we waited for it to cook. We didn't need to. We just wanted to for the gram, y'all. Okay. Uh, and uh, when the elk was finished, we ended up having, we ended up having a grand feast, and it was served to us uh, by a robot that I built, personally built. Uh, this robot's name, uh, I have, a, I gave it a pet name. His name is Jack Dorsey. Everybody say hi to Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey waved, and it's a guy who literally looks like Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter. <clears throat> Joe Rogan starts tweeting like, dude, that's so cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, you can come over whenever, dude. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We cooked elk and we just talked about moving to Pluto, dude. Yeah. Fuck. So fucking cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. If if you... uh. 
If you start eating magic mushrooms in the morning, man, it just gives you such a fucking head rush. I like to go to the gym and, like, fucking work out on mushrooms, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Dude. What's up? Dude, I'm a big fan. So, uh, so, uh, you, uh, you hunt ostriches, dude? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, uh, they say if you, uh, if you ride an ostrich, you can go for like 70 miles, man. Yeah, it's especially cool riding an ostrich when you're, when you're on mushrooms, man. When you're, I'm trying not to make a DMT joke because that's just so plain. <clears throat> Did you know that crocodiles, they just sit in a river? I've, I've heard Joe Rogan say the same thing about a million different things on every fucking podcast. You know, if, you know that crocodiles, man. Yeah, they just uh, they just sit in the same space in a river, and they just like they'll just stake out a village, and they just they they calculate how often this person comes to the river, and if you know they finally move closer and closer with each time, and uh, until they eventually just like take the person, man. Yeah, they're fucking terrifying, man. Yeah, 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 man. Dude, dude, fucking tigers, man. There's a place called the Sunderbands in India, bro. Yeah. Fucking 100,000 people a year end up going missing from tigers. The tigers fuck them. Tigers end up just having their way with them, man. Yeah. Sometimes they hold them prisoner. They don't even eat them, dude. That is all Something's Odd Podcast. Don't forget to follow on TikTok uh, while I'm still there, everybody. Don't forget to follow on Instagram, something's off Alex DeWitt, and uh, that is about it for me. Dr. Deuce.